Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. My name is Pastor Taylor Greenhill and I'm the worship arts pastor here at Faithbrook. Well, we're so excited that you're here, whether it's in person, maybe you're watching us online, or maybe you're watching or listening on demand in the future. And if that's you, then hello from the past. Well, at Faithbrook, our mission is to love God, love people, and journey together. And it's so hard for us to journey together if we don't know each other. And so if this is your first time here, maybe it's your first time in a while, maybe you've been checking us out for a few weeks, we would love to get to know you and have the opportunity to share a little bit about who we are. The best way to do that is through our connection cards. Now, there's a blue card in the chair that's in front of you if you're here in person. Now, if you're online, you can go to faithbrook.church guest, and you'll be able to find the exact same form and if you fill that out, we would love to follow up with you and just thank you for being here this morning. And we're also going to make a $5 donation anonymously on your behalf to a local food shelf called Cross Services. So we'd love to get to know you. We'd love to be able to share a little bit about us so that we can journey together as a community. Well, here at Faithbrook, we get so excited when people take next steps of faith. And one of those next steps is baptism. Now, I remember as a kid when my church would talk about baptism and I always thought, no way, I am not gonna get dunked under the water in front of all these people. That's just so embarrassing, I'm not gonna do it. Well, as I approached my last year of high school, I was faced with a decision and I had to make the decision to own my own faith. It could no longer be my parents' faith or my friend's faith or my pastor's faith. It was my own faith. So when I made that decision, I knew that I needed to get baptized. And it wasn't necessarily this magical moment with angels and doves and all of that, but it was a deeply meaningful part of my spiritual journey to say to my friends and my family and my church family that I was a follower of Christ, that Christ was my Lord and Savior, and that I was a new creation in Him. Well, next Sunday, we are wanting to have a baptism service for all who are interested in being baptized. Now, if that's you, we would love to talk with you. The best way is through the Church Center app. There's an event on there called Baptism, and there's a link that'll take you to a form that you can fill out. And that form is not guaranteeing and locking down your spot next week, but it's an opportunity for one of our pastors to have a conversation with you about whether baptism is the right next step for you. This is such an important step of faith and we would love to walk with you through it. So if you just have the tiniest little interest in being baptized next week, please let us know, fill out that form. We would love to talk with you. Even if it's during the message, it's that important. I know Pastor Mike would not mind. Well, speaking of Pastor Mike, we're gonna welcome him to the platform in just a second as he continues our Summer on the Mount series. Well, does anyone here like a really good revenge story? Just by show of hands, does anyone like a good revenge story? You know, I know in a lot of media, there's a lot of great movies that talk about a good revenge story. Uh, one of the most famous would be Pretty Woman. Uh, there's a lot of uh, also revenge stories with uh, Clint Eastwood. I even think Mel Gibson has one called Payback. But there's something about revenge stories that, are, that just feel good, right? They just feel really good. Well, I'm not sure if, if I have a great revenge story, but I do have one. Uh, at least I attempt to, to get 
get revenge. Well, back in California, back in Southern California, where I was born and raised, uh, I used to play the lesser sport called roller hockey. I started playing roller hockey after college. There's no ice. I know that just kind of blows your mind, but uh, you'd actually play on like a tile floor with uh, inline roller blades, but everything else was about the same. No checking, so it really was a lesser form of hockey. But anyway, I played roller hockey. Anyways, as, uh, as I was playing, there's one particular game that stood out. And as I went behind the net with the puck, I uh, turned real quick to go back in the opposite direction. And the guy that was following me was getting a little frustrated, so he just deliberately tripped me. And out I went, I flopped right down, and I fell, and it hurt so bad. As I looked up at the ref, he just kind of didn't see it. I couldn't believe it. I don't know how he didn't see it. And man... Man, was I, I was peeved. I was, I was ticked off. Because that wasn't just the first time something happened. That was the third, the third uh, inf- infraction with this guy. You see, before, he had skated behind me and tripped me in front of the net. And a time after, he tripped me uh, as I was uh, skating around as well. So this guy just loved to trip me, and I, I just didn't like it. And so I just knew I had to get him back. Now, maybe you play real hockey. Maybe you've played real hockey. Uh, maybe you found yourself in a similar situation. Or maybe, maybe you don't play hockey, but you have found a situation in your own life where maybe someone did something to you, they wronged you, and you were then set on revenge. Well, the question I want to ask is, you know, how did that actually work out for you? What, what actually played out? You know, just t- take a moment to think, you know, what was your experience? And so today, as we're just kind of thinking about that, today we're going to be talking about revenge and how it exactly doesn't satisfy us the way we think it will. Well, welcome back to our series called Summer on the Mount. We're going through Jesus's longest recorded sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is uh, just a, a great series that we're, we're going through for the summer. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Mike Delgallo. I serve as a Connections Pastor. I am filling in for our lead pastor, Jim Comfort. As you may have heard, he is out on sabbatical right now. For a time of rest and to refresh and get ready as we plan for the rest of this year. So, if you uh, have a moment during the week, be praying for him as he uh, is uh, on his uh, sabbatical. So, anyways, we're in this series and it's uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's one of his most famous sermons. And there's a couple of different uh, passages that are in there. quite famous, one of them being uh, the Beatitudes, if you've heard of that, maybe the Lord's Prayer, uh, that's in there too, and uh, also just a lot of good ethical teachings on Christian life and how to live and process your, your life. Well, this whole series uh, is really built on what Jesus says at the end of his sermon in chapter 7, and what he does is he challenges his listeners to not just be hearers of his word, but to be doers as well, and when we do what he says, we are like a wise person who builds their house on the rock. And what we found uh, the first weeks we kicked off, we found out that when we practice what Jesus preaches, we find peace. When we practice what Jesus preaches, we find peace. So now for the rest of the series, what we're, we're doing is we're going through his Sermon on the Mount, and we're discovering how we can be better followers of Jesus. Now today, we are going to be exploring his words on how we are to treat and interact with one another. Now in this uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus brings up a lot of different topics uh, that were prevalent in his day. And I think as we have been listening, we find that they are quite relevant to us as well. And for uh, a four-week chunk, we're going over some pretty controversial topics. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we talked about murder. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about adultery. Uh, We're also going to talk about revenge. And then we're also going to be talking about our attitude towards our enemies. Now, 
As we hear this, we think that some of these, they might not apply, but uh, I thought the same way too, but as I dove a little deeper into this, uh, this sermon, I quickly realized how relevant this teach- teaching is for us today. But for this week specifically, we're going to be uh, honing in on revenge and what Jesus says about revenge. And I think for some of us, and a lot of us, we think about re- revenge, and we think about a, a moment where we wanted to get revenge on someone or some ones, and it's, what we find is it sometimes just consumes us, right? We, we think about it, we plan about it, we, we uh, think about all the things that will go and how we're going to get back. But what we find out is it sometimes just doesn't live up to what we thought it will. In fact, there's been multiple studies that have gone out. Uh, there's actually a great article in Psychology Today where it talks about the, uh, the mixed effects of revenge and what it actually can, uh, uh, how it's beneficial or not for us, and it, and it goes through that. Well, they had, uh, it talked about one specific study where they were uh, taking some college students, they took groups of college students, and what they did was they, they did an investment game with them. So basically the premise was that if this a small group of college students, if everyone were to agree to invest in something, that they would all get a, um, a, a, the same benefit out. They would all benefit from it. However, the, the ticket was that in each of the groups, there was a person called a free, a free rider. And what this person was is they were a plant in the group, and they were to, their goal was to try to convince everyone to actually participate in this investment. So if there's someone who is slacking off, they would, they would speak up, they'd take this person aside, they would talk to them and try to convince them to, be, uh, to actually invest. Well, these free, these free riders were really good at what they did, and for om- almost every single one of these groups that were participating, they all uh, decided to. To, uh, participate. So every person said yes, they would be a part of this investment strategy and this investment game. Well, here's what happened is this free riders had a second job. Their, their second job was to actually go back on this investment. They actually didn't participate in the investment they were trying to convince everyone to be a part of. And so what happened is they did something different than the rest of the group did. And what happened on average, the group made about $2.50. So it was a really small investment game, but the group made, uh, uh, the individual made about $2.50 while the free rider made over five bucks. And that was, that was the average across all of them. So you could just imagine if you were the person who was in this group as a college student, you don't have money in the first place, so you're giving up your money and you make $2.50, you're promised that everyone's going to get the same thing, and here's this free rider sitting here, and he's made double what I made. He went back on what happened. So here's where it gets kind of cool. In this study, uh, those uh, half of the groups, uh, they, uh, they gave the, the people who weren't the free rider, they gave them the option to get revenge. They gave them the option to, to get back at this free rider, that if they were to give up some of their earnings, if they were to give up half of their earnings, they could get revenge on this, these free riders. And for most of the people that were given the opportunity, they almost all took the opportunity to get revenge. Now, for the other groups, they weren't given that opportunity. They were just tough out of luck. Well, so the studies come back and they took surveys after everything. And here's the interesting thing that they found. They found that for the groups that were offered the opportunity to give revenge, all, almost all of them took it. Everyone unanimously took it. And they, they said that they were glad they got revenge, but they, didn't, they weren't fully satisfied. They were still felt left short and empty on the situation. However, they did say that they were glad they had the opportunity, but they still didn't feel great about taking revenge. Now, for the group that did not have the opportunity, they ended up saying that they didn't mind. They were a little bummed 
bummed, but they said that they uh, ended up feeling happier even though they didn't get revenge. Now, to sum up everything in this article, what they basically came out to find was that the, those who did not participate in taking revenge, they, they ended up were happier because they weren't consumed by what the revenge and what the tactics and everything that were going into it. And they ended up just kind of passively letting it go by. They weren't consumed by it. They just kind of let it be a bygone and they put it behind them. So they ended up being happier, even though they made less money than they were promised, they were happier people. And the people that did take revenge, they found that they were less happy overall, even though they were glad that they participated in revenge. So for us, I think it's, uh, it's really interesting that we think about getting revenge. We've been wronged. We want to get back, and we, wanna, we, really, wanna, we really want to do something to, to make them pay. But what if Jesus has a different way? What if Jesus has something different for us in, in mind? And I think this is important because when we have a proper view of revenge, when we, have a, uh, when we see this in a new light, it actually can change how we interact with our interpersonal relationships. And in fact, I, I, I would even go as far to say that it can have a positive impact. When we have a proper view of revenge and how it can influence and impact our relationships, we can actually have an influence for Christ for people who are non, non-believers and they can see Christ in us. It can give us a uh, potentially better interpersonal relationships, which is just something that happens when we take following Jesus seriously. So we come down to this tension in this series. We come back to this tension that just kind of runs throughout this whole series, and it's this. Do we take Jesus' words seriously enough, so much so that we're willing to take action on what we hear? Are we going to be that wise person that builds on the rock, or are we going to be the foolish person that builds on the sand? And as we see that, I really believe that Jesus wants for us to, to be wise. He wants us to build on the rock, and hence why he gives us these challenging words. So with that, let's go ahead and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to be sticking in there and wrapping up that, uh, this chapter today. You can go, uh, you can either pull out your analog Bible. I see some of you have your analog actual paper Bibles. Uh, for myself, I have a, my Bible, version Bible on my phone. This is what I read and do my devotions on. It is awesome. If you don't have your Bible on your phone, you can go to the version Bible app. It is incredible. So make sure you, you get that. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. Now, as you are turning there, uh, if you were here for the last couple of weeks, you've, you've heard this spiel, but I will uh, just make sure to, to remind you, and if you haven't been here, I just want to uh, bring you up to speed. So there's going to be two phrases that Jesus says, and that he's been saying for the last couple of weeks, there's two phrases that Jesus says. The first phrase that he says is, you have heard it said. Now, the reason why he says, you have heard it said, is because what he's going to say is, he, he's going to pretty much take down what people's um, interpretation of what the words are he's going to say. So he's going to say X, Y, and Z, and he's going to say, your interpretation of this is not right. So he He's going to say, you have heard it said this. And that is juxtaposed with where he says elsewhere. It's will say something like, it is commanded or it is written. And that is the exact words of the, the Old Testament. So that he has that. Now, the second thing that he, he will say, he'll follow up. So he'll say, you have heard it said. And the second thing he'll say is, but I tell you. Now, the reason why he's saying, I tell you, is because he's reorienting or reframing what it's supposed to mean that he's, he's refuting. Now, Jesus is not getting rid of the Old Testament. He's not saying that the Old Testament is to be wiped away. And we're going to forget everything about it. We just come into this New Testament. No, what he's saying is, he actually says in chapter 5 earlier, he says that I've come to fulfill, not to abolish. And so he's, he's uh, coming to, to reassure that what he is about to say is to actually fulfill what the Old Testament says. Now, why this is important? 
is because there were a lot of false teachers in that day. In that day, people would rise up. They would say, hey, I am this Messiah. I am, I am the savior that Israel is waiting for. I'm going to deliver you from economic. I'm going to deliver you from social. And I'm going to uh, deliver you from governmental oppression from everything. And we're going to be redeemed. And we're going to see all that's promised, what God has promised in the Old Testament. Well, I'm, I am that person. Well, they weren't. They were lying. They just wanted to be a hero. They were selfish. They, and they were leading God's people astray. And so they would say things such as, I bring you a new word. I bring you something new. I, and we're going we're gonna to do away with the old and I bring you something brand new. And so Jesus is really being counteractive to all these other false teachers that had popped up before. And with all this, Jesus, Jesus is uh, really coming through th- these things. And he says this because he wants, he, he really wants for his listeners, his disciples to be, uh, to, to have the righteousness surpass that of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, if you remember, they are the teachers or the pastors of that day, if you will. And these, these guys lived out the law. There's 613 commands in the law. Their, their whole life was to live these laws out perfectly. So they lived out every single little thing perfectly. Now, the problem is, is the, living out the 613 laws, it's that way because it's meant to be impossible. You think, man, there's no way I could do that. I can't even do whatever laws we have today perfectly. How are they doing it? Well, that's the whole point is it was supposed to be impossible to live out. And so, but they, what the Pharisees did is they took the law at this standard and they dropped it down to here. They made it a lot more livable. Uh, what they, they thought that they, these laws were too hard. They thought of them as a, as a burden, as a yoke on the people. And they wanted to make them so that people could actually live it out. Hence, why, if you've been coming, uh, been listening in the last couple of weeks, when we approach topics such as murder and adultery, they made it to the actual physical uh, murder and adultery, which we have found out that it's not really about that. It's about the heart issue. Well, the Pharisees didn't care about the heart. They cared about how people looked on the outside. And the reason was, is because they cared so much that if uh, that people lived and they looked like they were being righteous, because they believed, their whole, their whole outset was, uh, was in the belief that if the whole nation of Israel were to live out the 613 laws perfectly, then the true Messiah would show up. That, that, was the whole, that was the whole thing. So they, they did everything in their power to be model citizens, uh, but what ended up happening is they didn't care about what was going on in their heart. And as we have seen that Jesus cares about what's going on in our heart, he, he wants to transform us from the inside out. The Pharisees didn't care about that. So they really weren't, uh, weren't uh, worried about those things. You see, that's where Jesus calls us to be, be, uh, be a righteous beyond these Pharisees. It's not just about living out rituals, but truly being hearers and doers of his word. And so the, uh, the thing is, is, is our heart really being changed or are we just going through the motions? And again, the Pharisees were just going through the motions. So Jesus is giving these discourse, and we're going to jump right into uh, chapter 5, verse 38. And this is what Jesus says. He says in verse 38, you have heard it said, there it is again, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now this was, uh, this was, a, uh, this was common. This was in three different places in the Old Testament in, in both uh, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. So if you want to check that out later, you're more than welcome to check it out about this. Now it doesn't sound like bad advice. It sounds like tit for tat. It sounds like, yeah, it seems kind of fair. Now these were the actual words from the Old Testament that actually existed. So Jesus is not trying to wipe this away, but what he's trying to reorient and trying to get people back on the page of what it's actually supposed to mean, what is the heart of this interpretation. And as you can guess, the Pharisees had it all wrong, and even a lot of the, the scholars and the teachers of the day had it all wrong. 
You see, the, the whole idea of eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, uh, this uh, really was, uh, came to be known as this idea of this law of retaliation. That's, that's really what the idea was. And what it, what it meant was is to be that the penalty would fit the crime. So in, in these three passages in the Old Testament, there was like some, uh, some cases that would, would come up and it would talk about, okay, if, uh, if you were to damage your cattle, like if you were to hurt your neighbor's cattle and he were to die, you would lose one of your cattle as well as restitution for it. If you, uh, one of them is something like if you're getting in a fight with somebody and uh, off to the side, there's a pregnant woman who happens to miscarry, uh, what's the proper restitution for that? So it just deals with edge cases like this. Now, the other thing that is uh, really interesting with this is what it was really supposed to deal with civic laws. It was really not meant to be dealt with personal issues. So the, the whole point of uh, eye for an eye, tooth to tooth, was it was meant to be dealt in, uh, in a civil, uh, civil way. It was not meant to be uh, done uh, in a way of of, uh, personal retaliation. So as you can imagine, the Pharisees and teachers took this to be literal in all, this, all the little uh, personal issues that they, that they had. Now, these laws were put into place. Uh, God had put these laws into place so that retaliation and revenge wouldn't consume us. He, he put these in place as a safeguard because uh, what we, we find out is that when we go for personal revenge, especially for some of these issues, we find that sometimes we go overboard. Right? Sometimes it doesn't end up being tit for tat, and it's not eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Sometimes it's, it's eye for a tooth, or maybe it's life for a tooth, and it's just really lopsided revenge. And what happens is, is that it ends up getting into the cycle. Right? So what would happen is, is there, there wouldn't be proper revenge. They were taking it in their own hands. It got chaotic, and it caused a lot of strife within their community. So, uh, so Jesus is really talking about how to uh, get this and set the record straight, that this is really about civil laws, and it's really about not getting uh, revenge. And I think for us today, we have, uh, we have all these conflicts, right? I think we can just picture in our minds just different conflicts. We have conflicts at home. We have conflicts at work. We might even have conflicts with people in the car driving next to us. There's conflicts all around us. So how do we deal with this? Uh, you know, the guy driving down the road, he cuts us off, and it was really terrible, and he could have just went behind us, but they didn't. He cut right in front. You get ticked. What are you going to do? And I think it's so easy, so easy to want to jump in and want to get revenge, but Sometimes, you know, what do we do when we're, when we're wrong? You know, how, what do you, what do you, how do you respond? You know, when, when we do get wrong, what is your response? What, how is it that you respond to people wronging you? What is your heart in this? And I love what Jesus says. And if you've been following along, I think his response isn't going to be that surprising. Uh, if you're just jumping in, maybe it is. But this is what Jesus says. He says this in verse 39. He says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. You see, so Jesus is not con contradicting this law of retaliation. He's, he's not trying to contradict it, but rather he's, he's really emphasizing that in our personal relationships, our duty is not to go out and retaliate. Now, with this, this is not about being a pacifist. It's not about just letting all harm come our way and not defending ourselves. You know, sometimes it can be where we're being attacked physically or it could be something real harm. It's not about that. This is, a, a, we'll see in just a few minutes that, that there's a, some real specific cases he's talking about. And lastly, we see this idea of evil. Like, what, okay, what's this evil person? Not to resist them. Now, evil in this case is really, this, uh, is really someone who is seeking to do you harm. It's someone who's really looking to wrong you. And so that's, that's really the cases that, that Jesus is getting at. And Jesus gives us this because he, he knows, he knows that ultimately kindness drowns out division. You see, where revenge, what it does is it divides us. 
Because as we see, not only in that day of the Jews and the Israelites, the revenge ended up causing more division than it actually did paid restitution. And for Jesus, he's saying, no, no, I actually want restitution between your relationships. I actually want you to, to be together and be united as a people and to treat one another and to love one another as you would love God. You see, sometimes the best way to get back at someone is to be kind. You know, sometimes if you're looking for revenge, kindness and generosity is the way to go. And what we're going to see is four situations in which we can see how kindness really draws, drowns out division. Now, these, these illustrations that Jesus is going to talk about, they just confirm that, uh, that resisting evil you know, really avoids uh, personal retaliation for returning evil versus evil. So let's take a look at what he says. He continues in verse 39, and he gives the first example. And he says, well, if anyone were to slap you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. So you notice that he's very specific about which cheek is being slapped here. So in, in that day, when someone would slap, you think of an open hand slap with the palm of your hand. And if you were to slap someone, it would be the left cheek. If you're a right-handed person, you'd be slapping the, the left cheek. But here he's differentiating a left cheek. And that would mean that you're slapping someone the backside of your hand with that actually your backside right here. And to actually strike them like this would, uh, would be doubly insulting. And so the whole point of this is that according to the Jewish uh, rabbinic law, it said that if you were to be slapped by someone from the back of their hand, it's doubly insulting. It's super insulting. It's not only just insulting to be slapped normally, but to be slapped backhand slap, it's really, really insulting in, in that day. And so what Jesus is really, is really saying is, is this. Another reading of this could be, even if someone should direct at you the most deadly and calculating insult. Uh, you, must not, uh, you must not retaliate, and, and in no count should you resent it. So the whole, the whole thing is that uh, this idea of being insulted, right? So when someone really insults you, what is your response? How are you responding to this response? Now, again, this isn't not about a life and death situation. This isn't someone coming up and pulling a knife on you. This is someone throwing, uh, throwing fists at you, trying to beat you up, take you down. In that case, of course, you would want to self-defend. But in this case, this is about an insult. Now, I think for, for us today, I, I don't really see many people walking around slapping each other to insult, but I think for us, what's more common is a lot of verbal assaults. I, I, uh, sometimes we may, uh, unfortunately, hear verbal assaults within our, our marriages. Sometimes we may hear verbal assaults at, at work, in our workplaces. Sometimes our boss, sometimes our bosses are just not nice, and they humiliate, and they bring us down, and they insult you. And so when these situations happen, and when you are insulted, and not just... Uh, one-on-one, -on -one, but maybe even in front of your peers, in front of other people, what is your response? Is your response just to fire back? But we see that Jesus calls us to a different way, and he calls us, uh, tells us that kindness actually drowns out division. And we are to think about, okay, what does it look like to show kindness even in the midst of the insults? What does that look like for us to, to actually amend the situation that it can actually drown out the division? Now, Jesus then continues into a second illustration. He, he brings up a second uh, thing that could happen. And he says, he continues in verse 40, he says, And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as, as well. So uh, in, that, in that day, everyone had this kind of a shirt that you can uh, almost think of it as like a white undershirt, like you wear under like a button-up shirt. It's kind of a shirt like that, but it would go a little longer, probably go down to the knees. 
Everyone had these. It's almost like a, a, a white undershirt. Everyone has them. They're super cheap. You could pick them up at Target for in a, in a three pack. I mean, they're, they're really inexpensive and everybody had, uh, most males had multiple, multiples of these, of these shirts. So they're, they're really inexpensive and they're just like your everyday clothing and you'd, you would uh, wear that. But the second piece of clothing he brings up is this coat. Now, a coat was a little thicker. It was uh, made of more expensive material, and it was uh, more like a modern-day robe. If you can, a really fancy, really nice-looking robe. Uh, that's more of what it looked like. And for some, uh, some people, they could use it, and it would double as a blanket. And most Jews, uh, they only owned one coat. They would only have one of these kind of robes. But for the undershirt, they would have multiples of it. And so what, what we see is that in this set is... is Jesus is saying, okay, if someone were to take you to court, if someone were to bring a lawsuit up on you over something as silly as your undershirt. So imagine someone suing you for your white undershirt, your V-neck white tee undershirt. If someone's suing you for that, give up your cloak, give up your robe as well. Give up your coat jacket as well. Give that up. Because why? You see, it's the, the thing is here is that the, the, the point is just so trivial. Someone's coming after something so small as a white undershirt t-shirt. Now, he's not saying something in a bigger matter, like uh, someone comes after your car. He's not saying to give up your house also. It's not that kind of concept. It's really about a trivial piece of clothing or just something that just, it doesn't matter. So what Jesus is really getting at is that if someone's coming after you for something that's trivial, Give them the extra thing as well. And the whole point is, is create, uh, don't create division. Don't create chaos. And, and what he's really getting at is uh, to, to really restore the matter at hand. And so what he's actually challenging his listeners to is this, is that if someone were to come after you after something trivial, if someone were to come after you as something as trivial as your undershirt, you know, how would you respond? What's your response? Are you going to fire up? Are you going to respond in court? Are you going to uh, drop all these legal fees? And you're going to cause commotion? Or are you going to settle the situation? And we see that in this, that Jesus is calling us to a different way. Because he knows that kindness draws out division. Now, Jesus brings up a, th a third situation uh, that was, uh, pretty, uh, that was uh, in that day. And he's, he says in verse 41... He says, if anyone were to force you to go one mile, go with them two miles. So in, in that day, the, the countries that were under the Roman occupation, the armies had full authority to force citizens to carry supplies for them for a certain amount of distance. It's about a mile they can carry it. They could just command them to do it, and the citizens would just have to do this. Uh, for those of you, uh, you might remember the gospel story. There was uh, Simon, and he was uh, commanded to carry Jesus' cross. Well, this is why is because the soldiers commanded him, and he was forced to do it, and it was just something that, that you uh, were to do, that you had to do it. And so in this, what happened is, is, uh, is Jews would comply. The Jews living in the Roman-occupied territories, they would comply. But the way they would do it was just out of a lot of bitterness. They had a lot of hatred. They did it, but man, you could just imagine you're forced to walk with these Roman soldiers. You got to carry their equipment, their supplies, their shield, their sword. You got to carry the stuff. Man, that's not my job. But that's, that's what the whole, the whole thing is here. And, and they just had to do it. So you can just imagine for the Jews in that day how much they were plotting their revenge. Ooh, if they could just get back at the Roman soldiers. Ooh, if they could just mess with the armor just a little bit so it wouldn't work. Man, wouldn't that be so good? But Christ here is calling his disciples to be different. He's calling their disciples to, to live in such a different way. Now, for us, we don't necessarily live in a, a country like that. We're not forced to necessarily carry uh, uh, our military stuff and, and do things like that. But sometimes in our, in our work situation, sometimes we have a, uh, an ill-tempered boss. 
they're, they're unreasonable. They're, they're just, they're hard. They're hard to work for. And he's saying, you know, are you, are you going to harbor hatred? Are you going to harbor resentment toward that person? But instead he says, no, we must cheerfully and faithfully obey our employer. And, you know, it's interesting, too, as we think about, you know, uh, in that day, how they were to respond to the government. You know, Jesus is saying, you know, think, think twice about how you respond to the government. Think twice about how, how, you, how you respond uh, to, the, uh, to the state. Think twice about that. You know, are you, uh, you going to be a good citizen? You know, this doesn't mean to, for those of us that are Christians, it's not saying to refute our faith if the, if the government tells us to refute uh, Christianity. It's not saying that. But in other things, you know, would we, would we do it cheerfully? You know, if we had to carry our military supplies for a mile, would we do it cheerfully? Would we be good model citizens in this? So for us, you know, to, to really think about this, how, how do we respond to those who are in authority over us? Do we do it with a grumbling spirit? Do we, do we plot our revenge like the Jews did? But instead, of, Jesus calls us to a different way, and he says that kindness drowns out division. Now, in this last illustration, it's a little different. He kind of flips the script a little bit, and it's not so much someone coming after you, but instead your reaction or your reply to someone, uh, and it's a, it's a little different. So check this out. He says in verse 42, he says, Give to the one who asks, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And so he's saying if, if, someone, were to, if someone were in need were to approach you, if they were to come up to you and they would have a need, you know, maybe you're sitting in your car uh, on the uh, exit of the highway and someone were to come up and they had a need. And we see, you know, what is our heart towards that? And he says to provide for them. Now, in the case of a brother or sister or a Christian who has a real need, I, th I think for most of us, we, we tend not to think twice. We tend not to think twice. And for that day, Jews responding to Jews, they were actually really generous towards one another. But what about someone who is your, your neighbor? Maybe they're not a believer. Maybe they're, they're not even part of the church. They're just a complete stranger. And someone who Jesus says is a neighbor, how are you, you to respond to them? And it really looks like Jesus is saying that you would have the same kind of response. Just how you would respond to someone in your local community is the same way. Uh, your local church is the same way you're to respond even to this complete stranger. And I think with all these illustrations, it's, it's really important that we, see, that we see how Jesus is really going about at this. And we really see that there's a, he's really flipping the script that it's not really about revenge. You see, it's, it's really about uh, showing love and kindness. Because Jesus does show us a different way, and that is because kindness drowns out division. And if this truly is, is the case, and we are to be hearers and doers of the words of Jesus... A question for us that I want us to be thinking about this week is this, is that, is when you are hurt, when you are hurt, what's your default? What's your default? Do you default to kindness or revenge? You know, when insults come, maybe there's trivial disputes among a family or maybe your friends over just pointless things. Maybe it's a response to those who have authority over us or bosses. Maybe someone comes to you in need. What is your response? Is it that of kindness or is it that of revenge? And I think right now, even as uh, we look at it, as our, our world right now, it's becoming more and more divided. Uh, everything that can have a division, it seems that it's just being divided around us. Can we be a beacon of kindness? Can we be a beacon of love and graciousness? So what grudge, what grudge do you need to replace with kindness this week? 
You see, I think it's important that we, we go through this because revenge can consume us. It could take up our time, it could take up our effort, and it could take up our energy. And just like the studies show, it ends us up not paying off in the end. And we end up wasting a lot of time thinking about how we can get revenge as opposed to letting it go and forgiving and showing kindness. Because ultimately, revenge doesn't give us what we were hoping for. Well, in that roller hockey game that I was, uh, that I was in and I, I uh, thought about how I was going to plot my revenge against this guy... Uh, you know, I, I spent three shifts. Uh, so in, in roller hockey, you don't get very many shifts. In hockey, you don't get that many shifts. So I spent three of them thinking about how I was going to plot. So my little time that I was out there skating around, I'm thinking about how I can get this guy. I'm just chasing this guy around trying to do stupid things. I'm hitting him in the shin pads. I'm, uh, you know, trying to hit his wheels just to kind of knock him off a little bit. I'm elbowing him and doing stupid stuff. And it came to a point where it just, that just wasn't fun. That, that, was not, that, that wasn't that fun trying to get back at him. And I had this epiphany. This just moment we're sitting there where there was a break, there was a face-off. And I'm sitting there and I'm actually facing off against this guy. And, and I just thought, man, I, I got to play my own game. I got I to gotta play, play my own game. And I had just this immediate attitude adjustment. It just kind of hit me. And I decided to then be nice to him. <laughs> I decided just to give him a word of encouragement, just to do something different. And I, I, I actually, hey, man, you've been playing a great game. <laughs> really, really love your style. And I actually threw him off a bit. <laughs> he, was, he was a little taken back. He was kind of confused. Uh, won the face off from him. I think we went and scored a goal after that. It was kind of cool. But uh, that's not the point. But it was just a, an immediate attitude adjustment. And, and I think sometimes it just takes an attitude adjustment to, to really have a change of perspective towards revenge and, and either showing revenge or kindness. And, and I found out out of that that really kindness drowns out the vision. Now, in that... You know, me and this guy did not go out uh, after. We did not uh, become friends or anything like that. But what did happen was my attitude towards him, a fellow human being, just a fellow hockey player, we're just going out, skating around, trying to have some fun. But it really did uh, give me a new light and new perspective on that situation. And I think it impacted him as well. Because we see that kindness really does drown out division. So how, how different would our everyday lives look? How different would they be if we were intentional? with kindness. If our response to uh, situations where people are wronging us or situations that happen to us, are we responding with kindness or responding with revenge? You know, how different would that look with our relationship with our spouse or maybe a, a best friend? How would that look? How different would that look if our attitude was to respond in kindness? How about towards, uh, for those of us that have kids, how would, how would that look different? Maybe, maybe your extended family, boy, they can sometimes get on your nerves Sometimes, how, how, would, how would that look? How would that look to treat with kindness as opposed to revenge? And I, I have a, a sneaky suspicion that when we have the attitude of kindness as opposed to getting revenge, it really would bleed into all facets and areas of our, our lives. I really believe it would bleed into our work. It would bleed into how we treat our neighbors. And I think we would uh, also bleed into our other relational circles as well. And I think for us as a church, for Faithbrook, man, could you imagine the kind of community that we could be? Could you imagine if we, we left here with just a slight change, just to, have a, a, uh, to think about kindness as opposed to revenge, how different the community would see, how, how different, how, how they might see Jesus in a new light because of our response to situations uh, happening to, uh, to us. I think the impact would be really great. I think it would be awesome uh, because we would see God do just incredible, amazing things within our, within our community just because of our willingness to show the love of Christ. And when we do this, 
we, we really start to be hearers and doers of God's, of Jesus's words. And when we do that, we really can be wise people who build on the rock. So let us, let us pray together. Let's go and stand together and, and pray that we can continue to be hearers of, of God's word and doers of God's word and be a wise person. So if we could, we would hold our hands out. This is something that uh, I learned a while back, and it's just uh, a way to receive a blessing, just to be receptive, and we could pray together. So God, will, you, will your Holy Spirit, uh, as you fill our hearts, would you, would you just remind us this week, would you remind us to, to respond with kindness as opposed to revenge? Then when we have different situations that, that come upon us, God, would we, would we think twice and we think about showing your love and your kindness towards, towards others? Whether that be issues with uh, those in authority over us, may, maybe it's, uh, it's a trivial matter that comes up. You know, maybe that stranger in need uh, approaches us. God, would we, would we really have a, a moment to be able to think twice and respond in, in kindness? May we have an impact. May we, may we really see that, uh, that this is really about, about uh, becoming more like you. This isn't about uh, us and what we get. But Lord, this is about you and your, uh, this is what you want to do within this city. So God, as you send us, as we go, may, may you work powerfully through us and may you remind us this week. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. It was so good to be with you both on site, uh, even for those of you online, and even for watching later on demand. I look forward to connecting with you and I'll see you guys next week. God bless.